Hey there, thanks for joining us here at Compass Church, where we are making God accessible to everyone. If you have any questions or want to learn more about us as a church, head over to our website, compassbn.com. We hope this inspires you and gives you practical ways to live out your faith. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning, and thanks again for joining me. So, if you have ever applied for a job, you know that there is one thing that potential employers always ask for references. And they do it because if you want to know who a person is, you need to ask the people who know them. You get an idea of who they are and what they're all about by how the people who know them respond to them, their family, their friends, even their enemies. And so for those of us who are good with what our friends, family, and enemies say about us, I want to remind you that over the last few weeks, we've been looking at how people who knew Jesus responded to him and to his reputation. John the Baptist was first, and and he determined that Jesus was the Messiah who had come to usher in this new kingdom of God. God himself told us that Jesus was his beloved son in whom he was well pleased. And then we found out last week that Satan thought Jesus was such a threat to his plans and to his power that Satan went out of his way to tempt Jesus away from God's plan and away from God's way of doing things. All of that was based on Jesus's reputation with other people. And today, we're gonna see Jesus through the eyes of a group of people who also responded to Jesus's big reputation. And we're gonna take a look at how his disciples saw him. So first, we're gonna pick up right after the story of Jesus's temptation in the desert, uh, which we talked about last week in Matthew chapter four, verse 12. And it says this, it says, when Jesus heard that John had been arrested, He left Judea and returned to Galilee. He went first to Nazareth, then left there and moved to Capernaum beside the Sea of Galilee in the region of Zebulun and Naphtali. Okay, lots of names and lots of places, right? Here's the deal. John the Baptist had been arrested by the regional ruler of Galilee, a guy named Herod, uh, called King Herod. And he was arrested by Herod for criticizing Herod's divorce and remarriage of Herod's sister-in-law. Okay, so John was arrested for criticizing Herod's marriage to his sister-in-law. It's a long story, and we're going to talk about it a lot more when we get to Matthew chapter 14. But when Jesus heard about this, he returned to Galilee from the Judean wilderness, and he moved from his hometown of Nazareth to Capernaum. Now, we're going to see Capernaum popping up a lot as we go through Matthew, because Jesus made it his home base, the home base of his whole ministry. So for background, Israel at the time was broken up into several regions that were, I mean, similar to states with Galilee at the top. And and if Judea was the California of Israel, where everything happened and where all the people were, it was where Jerusalem was, then Galilee was like the rural South. Galilee was the backwoods. The people in that region were looked at as small town hicks from flyover country. And that description really wasn't too far off. Because if Capernaum was Jesus's home base, where a large portion of his ministry happened, we would assume that it was a big bustling city, right? Well, it wasn't. Capernaum was a tiny fishing village that it covered only 13 acres. So that's it, 13 acres. If you were gonna walk all the way around the town, you would be walking no more than like one and a half miles. And at most, at its peak, around 1,500 people lived there. 
So for perspective, that's around the size of a town like Colfax or Downs or Minear or some other small towns in Illinois. It would be half the size of Hayworth. And, and it's in Capernaum, this small town, this home base of Jesus's, where we find him in verse 17. From then on, Jesus began to preach, repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. And it's in this small fishing village in a backwoods region of Israel that Jesus begins his ministry preaching the same thing that John the Baptist did. Repent of your sins and turn to God because God is now in charge and his new kingdom is here. We continue verse 18. One day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew. They were throwing a net into the water because they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, come follow me and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. So this is weird, right? I mean, put yourself in Simon and Andrew's shoes for a second. You're out fishing on your boat, which you do for a living. You know the drill, you know what to do, you know how it's done. You own the boat, you own the nets. It's how you pay your bills. And while you're out on the water working, you see this guy standing on the shore and he's waving at you and he yells out, come follow me. What do you do? How about this? Imagine this. You're sitting at Starbucks working on your, on your computer when some guy sits down across from you. You take your earbuds out and he says, hey, you need to come and be one of my followers. So obviously, what you do is you leave your laptop on the table and you get up and you follow him into his van that's parked out front, right? No, of course not. That's insane. It's crazy. And it's always seemed crazy to me that these guys would literally leave behind everything for a stranger who basically asked them to come and get into his van. And then it happens again. Look at verse 21. A little farther up the shore, he saw two other brothers, James and John, sitting in a boat with their father, Zebedee, repairing their nets. And he called them to come too. And they immediately followed him, leaving the boat and their father behind. This is crazy town. What is going on? Now, if this doesn't make sense to you, it's not because there isn't sense to be made of it. It's because the picture of the Bible, it's just bigger than you might have realized that it was. And to get the bigger picture, the real picture of what's happening here, what's actually going on, we need to look at the story of Jesus as told by the other gospel writers, starting with Luke. And Luke tells us this in Luke 4. He says that right after Jesus' temptation, Jesus returned to Galilee, filled with the Holy Spirit's power. Reports about him spread quickly through the whole region. Jesus went to Capernaum, a town in Galilee, and he taught there in the synagogue every Sabbath day. And the news about Jesus spread through every village in the entire region. So when Jesus came back to Galilee, he didn't just walk up to Simon and Andrew in their boat. That's, that's the account Matthew tells, but that's only a partial account. Because Luke tells us that when, when he showed up in Capernaum, he started teaching. Luke tells us that he taught in the synagogue at Capernaum every week. And the synagogue at Capernaum was the nicest building in town. It was the center of village life. And because of Jesus' teaching, he became a local celebrity. 
So before they followed him, they knew of his reputation. They probably heard him teach at the synagogue or the church, and, and they knew who he was. John, another of Jesus' disciples, he wrote this in his account of Jesus' life. He says, the following day, John, and this is John the Baptist, was again standing with two of his disciples. As Jesus walked by, John the Baptist looked at him and he declared, look, there is the Lamb of God. And when John's two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. They went after him. And Jesus looked around and he saw them following and he's like, what do you want? He asked them. And they replied, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come and see, Jesus said. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon when they went with him to the place where he was staying and they remained with him for the rest of the day. Get this, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of these men who heard what John the Baptist had said and he followed Jesus. Andrew went to find his brother Simon and told him, we have found the Messiah. So again, John's gospel account brings some more depth. Andrew was one of John's disciples. And when John the Baptist endorsed Jesus, Andrew wanted to learn more. So he got close to Jesus. He got close enough that Jesus invited him to come hang out with him for the rest of the day. And when that day was over, Andrew went and told his brother Simon that they had found the Messiah. So even before Matthew's account of Jesus calling them, we can see this connection getting even closer before Jesus called them off their boat. And there's more. Luke 4:38. After leaving the synagogue that day, Jesus went to Simon's home, where he found Simon's mother-in-law very sick with a high fever. Please heal her, everyone begged. So standing at her bedside, he rebuked the fever and it left her. And she got up at once and prepared a meal for them. So apparently, Jesus started hanging out with Andrew and Simon so much that he was invited to Simon's house for dinner after church. His relationship with them, it had developed into a much more personal one before he'd ever called them. It developed so personally to the point where he healed the mother of Simon Peter's wife. But there's still more. Luke, in his account of the disciples being called, he gives us even more detail into the story we started with. This is the same story, but just Luke's account. Watch this. Luke 5, 1. Luke 5, 1. It says, One day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. So stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. And so he sat in the boat and he taught the crowds from there. The crowds of people are pressing in on Jesus to hear what he's teaching. And there's not enough space for everyone to see him and, or hear him. And so when he sees Simon cleaning his nets out, out on the lakeshore, he asks him if he can use his boat to make some room. One important detail, okay, Simon and Andrew were cleaning their nets, which is something that fishermen did at the end of a long day of work. They just put in a long shift of fishing and now they were putting their stuff away, getting it ready for the next day, when Jesus asked them to do this thing, and they did it. Continues in Luke, in Luke uh, 5.4, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, now go out where it's deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. <sighs> Master, Simon replied, 
we worked hard all last night and we didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I will let the nets down again. And this time, their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat, and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. So let's backtrack. Before they were his disciples, before they were called by Jesus, they knew Jesus by reputation and they'd heard him teaching. They were introduced to him by John the Baptist who vouched for him and then they gradually began to get to know him, hang out with him, spend time with him. Their relationship grew and it became more personal as Jesus began spending more, more time with them and, and spending time in their home. He cared enough about their lives to care about Simon's mother-in-law and a healer. And when Jesus needed help with a boat to teach people, he was close enough with them to ask them at the end of a long day to push him out into the lake so he could teach. And their relationship had developed enough trust that when he told them to go back out and try fishing one more time, even though they'd had a long night of it with no success, even though they were the experts and he wasn't in fishing, they humored him and they did it. And when they did, Jesus proved himself to them one more time with a miracle. After this, look what happens in verse eight. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh Lord, please leave me, I'm such a sinful man. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with him. His partners, get this, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. They were awestruck, right? Amazed at what Jesus had done. And because we looked at the big picture of the Bible, not just the small snapshot, just of the one Gospel of Matthew, we now see that James and John, the second group of disciples that Jesus called, they not only knew Jesus as well, but they were Simon and Andrew's business partners. And it's in this context that just like in Matthew, Jesus calls them. In Luke 5.10, Jesus replied to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. Apart from the fact that we now know that reading the Bible and having biblical literacy is absolutely necessary to understanding who Jesus is, you need to have a big picture of what the Bible teaches to get it and to get him. Apart from that though, there are two questions that we need to answer as we wrap up. What was Jesus calling them to and why did they drop everything and follow? So first, what was he calling them to? Jesus was calling them to fish for people. In following him, the main thing he would teach them, the primary purpose he was calling them to was to bring more people into the kingdom of God, to invite people to follow Jesus and then to teach them how to do it. And it's the same for you and me. It's the same for us today. You and I have been called by Jesus not to be comfortable and happy, not to erase our guilt, not to meet every Sunday and have great church services. You know, the ones with the kind of music I like, with the preaching I like, and the kids' ministries I like. Jesus didn't call us for that. He didn't call us so that we could have an easier life or, or to have more satisfying things to consume. He called us to bring other people into his kingdom the way we were brought into his kingdom. That's the job description. One line, super clear. Jesus followers 
fish for people. And then the second question, why did the disciples drop everything and follow Jesus? Jesus showed them how to fish for people by fishing for them. They were willing to leave everything to follow Jesus because he went out of his way. He went out of his circles to get into theirs, to the lakeshore, to their synagogue. He went to where, where they were. He got to know them. He hung out with them and he invited them to hang out with him. He cared about their lives. He cared about their families. He cared about their mother-in-law. He cared when the people that they cared about were sick and suffering and he invested in what they cared about. And he did all of that before he ever invited them to follow him. He loved them before he called them. He fished for them. And that's why they dropped everything to follow him. See, Jesus was fishing for people. And in doing so, he drew a template for how we are to do the same job that he called us to, to fish for people too, to go where they are, to invest in them and what they care about, to love them. In all this, Jesus told us what we are to do and he showed us how we are to do it. And look, so the questions that remain for us are just these. Does my life show that I am fishing for people? And if the answer to that question is no, we then need to ask, is it because I'm not trying or is it because I'm doing it wrong? If you aren't fishing for people, it's time to get this right. This is the thing to go and make disciples. It's the purpose for which you were called. And if you're trying to fish for people, but it isn't working, you wanna do it, but you're just not having success, perhaps you aren't using Jesus's methods. See, Jesus didn't call out the sin of the people who didn't follow him. He didn't use political methods to get followers. He didn't try to separate himself from the world and hide out from it. He didn't condemn people. He loved them. He got to know them. He spent time with them. He cared about them. And he did all of that before he called them. And to us, he says, now go and do the same. And as you do, my prayer is that you have the same impact, the same love, and the same big reputation with the people in your world that Jesus had with the people in his. I'll see you next time. Thanks again for joining us today. If you want to learn more about us as a church, get connected, need prayer, or anything else at all, head over to our website, compassbn.com.